What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You listen to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. And just as everyone predicted, the East leading 2-0 Indiana Pacers. Uh, we we got to be honest, we didn't predict this at all. We also didn't predict the injuries, but you got to take the good with the bad, I guess, and you can only beat who's in front of you. But the Pacers have won both games, Alex, and we we can score in bunches. Um, we'll probably talk about the defense a little bit later. Let's start with the really good stuff. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, he's an all-star. He's, you know, keeping up this pace across 82 games would make him an all-NBA player. Uh, he is just special to watch and fun and everything you want in your franchise player. And we've, well, we've always known that he's had the skill, but for me, the last 12 months, it's been his willingness to take over these close games. Yeah. I mean, today was 107 to 105. Cavs had a lot of momentum. He said, no, nah, I've had enough of this. I've got fans talking to me courtside. I've got the refs at me, three threes in a row, and then comes out after the timeout and dimes up miles in the corner for a three. So the last 12 pace of points scored or assisted by Halliburton. And he had a bit of a stinker, man, like two from 10 in that first two and a half quarters. He couldn't really buy one. You could tell he wasn't at 100%, but for him to have that that moment in the clutch was was funny. I don't know if you even saw it, but TJ McConnell's reaction to him telling the fan that it was his fault was one of the best reactions I've seen by a player. So <laughs> just got to throw <laughs> that one in there. And then uh, I've been really impressed. You can talk about this as well, but for me, Jalen Smith, yeah. is that, that backup center position we talked about a lot, but man, I can't say enough good things about him. And really the second unit in general, obviously knee Smith's day-to-day career high, but for me, Jalen Smith, the, the first two games, he's looked really, really good. I mean, it comes down to what we spoke about in the last episode, rebounding. We were plus six in rebounds against the Wizards, minus three against the Cavs. Um, now, they obviously didn't have their starting center, but to to stay in touch and to be not overwhelmed on the boards is huge for this team. And, you know, against the Cavs, it was Jalen Smith again, 13.6 rebounds, three assists. Between he and Neesmith, they really got us back into the game after we fell into a hole early on. And Jalen Smith had 13-8 and eight, uh, against the Wizards as well. So his rebounding off the bench has put him into clear number one backup center power rankings. He's playing better than Isaiah Jackson. You know, Daniel Tice isn't getting minutes. So it's clear that Rick sees Jalen Smith as his backup five and Jalen is rewarding him by being able to score and being able to rebound, which they're the two things that we need from our backup center. Um, and at this point, I've got to talk about Miles as well. He's got 20 rebounds through two games. And we talked about, you put the number at 16. You wanted to see Miles and OB average 16 rebounds between them. They're currently averaging 14 rebounds between them. So they're not too far away, but Miles is averaging 10 of those. And Obi has had four in the two games that he's played. But shouts to Miles Turner. He, he made, obviously, that key three down the stretch today. Ended up with 20 points and 12 rebounds. In the first game, he had 11 and 8. Had three blocks in that first game as well. So, you know, he's doing the things that Miles does. He's not necessarily um, getting that consistency in scoring between the two games, uh, but he's playing his role to perfection, really. And that's all you can ask of your starting center. And getting back for a second to Tyrese, 
you know, the consistency of having a superstar that you know that you can rely on for 20 points and 10 assists. That's what the Clippers, the Hornets slash, you know, now Pelicans uh, and other franchises like the Rockets and the Suns have had with Chris Paul for the last 15 years. They've known that he's going to score 20 points and going to get 10 assists every single game. Um, the, uh, the difference, as you say, with Tyrese lately is his ability to be able to take over a game offensively, even if he is having a poor game uh, prior or even if he's not scoring in bunches earlier in the contest. So having him as the clear-cut number one, as the clear-cut guy that's going to not only set his teammates up but take over when he needs to and, and his ability to be able to sense the moment is huge. That's all NBA level. Uh, you need to be able to do that consistently 82 games. It's only been two, but we can only go off what we've seen. And what we've seen so far has been fantastic. Um, other shout-outs, Aaron Neesmith, we have to talk about him. I mean, he played a role in the first game, didn't put up you know eye, uh, eye-popping numbers, but today exploded, 26 points, nine boards, hit five three-pointers, uh, and was the other linchpin of the bench unit that got us back into the game in uh, the first half. He was brilliant. Uh, and that's exactly what you want from a guy that's going to be making $11 million a year over the next three seasons. Uh, if he's able to put together, you know, performances like that, even one a week, that's, that is an underpay for Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. I said, I think it was on the last episode, this contract's going to look back and it's going to be a steal. I mean, to me, uh, he just looked the most comfortable coming from last season to this season in terms of what he had worked on in the summer. Like you can tell now when he's catching the ball on the perimeter, he's either A, shooting it, or he's ready to make a drive right away. He uh, had a few baseline plays. This one had a play where he took a guy off the dribble and drew a foul. This is stuff that he wasn't really doing with regularity last season. So yeah, he, he's he been one of the most improved guys on the team. And, and we got a shout out to TJ McConnell as well, because I mean, Rick talked about how hard it was for him to leave him out of the rotation in game one. Comes in today in a pinch, eight points, eight assists. I don't know if he played more than like 14 or 15 minutes and he almost had a double-double off the bench. So, I mean, we we go back to that depth, right? Having your 11th, 12th, 13th guys that can come in and and help you win a game that, that you might otherwise lose. That's huge for this team. It's massive. I mean, you look at the guys that... That played and and TJ was just over eighteen or just under nineteen minutes tonight. So he he did play significantly, and he also played down the stretch a little bit as well. But you need those professionals. You need that next man up mentality, and that's what's going to drive not only competition uh, on the floor against other teams, but competition in the roster for spots for minutes. You want to balance out, you know, the consistency of lineups and allowing them to grow. Uh, and get better together with the competition of understanding that your spot is not assured. You have to show out. You have to play every single game. You have to play hard every single play. And TJ McConnell embodies that. So if he is comfortable with that sort of role of every two or three games, you're going to get an opportunity here. You're going to get an opportunity to play some significant minutes, get us out of a hole potentially, uh, you're going to be able to gel with certain teammates off the bench. We're going to mix you up in lineups, but there's going to be some games where you sit and there's going to be some games where you play a lot. If he's okay with that and if he, you know, you know he's a professional, you know that he's going to accept the role while he's on the team, but if he is comfortable with doing that all season long, that's a luxury 
the the paces. It's a huge luxury. Um, I want to go down the roster a little bit and talk about some other guys uh, and their performances so far. Benedict Matherin has uh, scored uh, 13 points tonight, 18 points in the first game. The defense is is still a bit of an issue. I mean, we have to look at Cleveland's box score and see uh, Karis LeVert with his 31 points and Max Drews with 21. Um, even Isaac Okoro, who is not a noted scorer, had 11 points, so he was in double digits. Now, the Cavs were shorthanded. They had to go to a lot of those guys, but Karras can score. Um, and, you know, you look at uh, his and Max Struess's output, and particularly those outputs came when Benedict Matherum was on the floor. So you have to look at the defense and think to yourself, this is something that you're going to have to get better at if you're going to be playing down the stretch. You might be starting. That might be great. You might be able to score in bunches, but when push comes to shove in close games, potentially the coach is not going to go to you. Potentially the coach is going to say, you know what? You're, you're minus 11 in 17 minutes. So I'm going to have to go with Andrew Nemhard because he's a better defender. And right now I need defense. Yeah. It's a learning curve for, for Ben. This is really the first time I think he's taken on that defensive challenge. And yeah, it was a tough one today. And look, I, I honestly was, hands on head at some of the shots Levert was making. Like, yeah, Matherin struggled, but you have to tip your hat sometimes. And sure, absolutely. I thought for, I thought for a second that Karras might break Kobe's 81. Uh, <laughs> he had 20-odd in the first quarter, was, you know, having threes bounce off the rim, the backboard was crazy. But, yeah, it's tough. And it's going to be a, a glaring thing this season throughout the whole year, who finishes games. You know, we, we talked about this earlier, but, yeah, if it's Nemhard, might be Buddy one night. Uh, we saw Obi and Matherin both in the second unit uh, at the end of the game. So, yeah, it's one of those things where if you're losing defensive matchups, if you're getting beat constantly, Rick Carlisle's just going to take you out because this year, more than 12 months ago, wins are so much more important and they're trying to make the top six, trying to make the playoffs. So, yeah, like you said, it's going to be – Look, it's going to be one of those things where he has to keep improving, but I think that if anyone's ready for that challenge, it is Matherin, so I'm not too worried about it. What are your thoughts on Obi Toppin's first two games as a pacer? Uh, he had 11 points, four boards against Washington, um, looking at his you know, his matchups. Kuzma obviously scored a bunch, as he tends to do. Denny Abia was um, okay, but, but not great, filled the stat sheet. Um, and then Obi didn't play a lot in this this past game uh, against the Cavs. Uh, he uh, wasn't part of the lineup that ended the game. Obviously, Neesmith was the hot hand, and you have to consider the fact that Rick Carlisle was probably riding the hot hand. It wasn't necessarily a, Obi, you're playing really badly. Uh, it was more, Aaron's ne- Aaron Neesmith, you're playing really, really well, so I have to keep you out there because you're providing something that I need right now. And it's the same for Nimhard and, and, uh, and Matherin. It comes down to the matchup. It comes down to what Rick Carlisle needs on the floor in any given moment. Um, but for Obi, he needs to get make himself available and, and make the choice really, really clear for Rick Carlisle that this is the guy that you're going to go with down the stretch and in key moments to be a consistent starting power forward, um, not just for this team, but in this league. And I think we need to remember that he's still in his rookie deal. So he's still relatively young in terms of his NBA career, just as Benedict Matherin is his second season. So we can't put too much pressure on these guys to be really, really good straight away. But 
you have to be really self-aware of your strengths and weaknesses as an NBA player to be able to maximize um, your strengths and work on your weaknesses. So I would expect that the coaching staff are talking to Obi about how he can stay on the floor for more minutes um, moving forward. Yeah, it's tough to fully judge it, obviously. I mean, it's only his fourth game with Ty and Miles and Bruce and these guys. I think today, more so than than the Wizards game, though, it was just a tough matchup for Obi. They played smaller with Allen out, and they, they were just giving the ball down low to Mobley almost every possession. So in that second half, there weren't any transition opportunities for him to get going, which is, I think, how he's going to get into the game a lot of the time. Uh, and then the half court, you can see he's still picking his uh, moments, right? He's probably sometimes being a little too unselfish, which is fine. And there are other times where I think he's just, the indecision is kicking in with him offensively. So... Yeah, a lot like the other guys, this starting lineup is going to be a work in progress. Uh, that four spot's not locked in. Obi definitely has to still earn it. I thought he was actually all right against the Wizards, though. He had his moments. Yeah, absolutely. Had a, uh, a couple of good plays on the offensive glass and in transition. But, yeah, it, it's days like this against a more sound and slower opponent where I think he's going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, he's you know he's going to work into this team. I think if we're still having the same conversation in December – then we need to be aware of the fact that this this is not going the way that we necessarily expected it to. But if um, if we're not, uh, and if he's able to show out and get some consistent minutes, then I don't think we have an issue. But it's going to take a little bit of time. And speaking of a little bit of time, we've got four games over the next seven days. So Chicago on Tuesday, Boston on Thursday. Uh, that's, an, that's a road game. Then Cleveland and Charlotte are home back-to-back. Um, which is handy to have uh, home back-to-back and uh, the start of five straight home games as well. Cleveland, Charlotte, then San Antonio, Utah, and Milwaukee. So looking at these matchups, Chicago has been really not great at all to start the season. Uh, it took uh, Zach Levine scoring 51 for, for them to get anywhere close to their opponent. Um, then you've got obviously Boston, who are one of the best teams in the league and will probably win you know, 55 to 60 games at this rate with the starting five they have, barring injuries. Cleveland will be looking for revenge um, and will probably be welcoming back at least one of their all-star players. Um, then you've got Charlotte uh, as well, who aren't that good. Um, and you would be expecting to beat a team like Charlotte uh, next Sunday. Um, for me, I think you, you have to think that three and one is what you'd be aiming for, but two and two is probably the more realistic thing. The games against Chicago and Charlotte are probably wins. The games against Boston and Cleveland are probably losses. I said it on social media. I said it in the last episode. This team is going to sort of yo-yo a little bit above 500, a little bit below 500. They're going to go three games above, then go two games below, then go four games above and so on and so forth. And, you know, they're going to go on runs and they're going to have struggles. And But I think overall they will win more games than they lose. So uh, I think everyone needs to temper their expectations after 2-0, and although I did text you and say, you're right, you're going to win 48 games after they were uh, they beat Washington and look like world beaters in that first game. Um, but... Uh, I think you have to be really realistic about um, the expectations you have on this team. Do you think two and two is the most realistic expectation heading into this week, or are you just going nut nah, six and zero? Oh, we're we're going to win all of them. I'm not going six and zero. Oh, we're going eighty two and zero. Oh, That's where we're going. <laughs> we're we're never losing again. Oh yep. God, sixteen zero oh in the playoffs as well. 
No, I why think, not? Yeah, I'll go. With, obviously, it's tough because I don't know Cavs' health is up in question, but if they're healthy, yeah, I'll go two and two. We'll, we'll stay with the boring answer. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really fair. Um, for Chicago, I think the interesting thing for me is the DeRozan and Levine defensive matchups. I think they've got some problems at the point with Kobe White, Alex Caruso, um, Dosunamu. Um, I hope I said that right. Uh, I I think that's going to be a really interesting one for them because they're going to have to play Caruso more minutes because he's obviously the defensive specialist, now best player as a point guard. Um, Vucevic versus Turner is going to be interesting, but it's going to come down to how do we defend Levine? How do we defend DeRozan? Um, and looking at the way that this team plays, they're, they're probably just going to end up trying to outscore everyone. They're, they're not going to be grinding teams to a halt. It's going to be, you know, you look at the score lines we've had in the first two games, 143 to 120, 125 to 113. That is going to be the norm for this franchise. This franchise are going to be in you know, an average of 110 to 120 every single night and maybe some nights above that even. And, you know, you might say that that won't necessarily win you a championship, but Alex, damn, it's entertaining. <laughs> I think uh, I think it was Mark Boyle who's watched his fair share of Pacers games tweeted out today. It's one of the more entertaining teams he's covered. So uh, if he's saying that, then there's no reason not to be at least a little bit excited about Pacers basketball. Yeah, we have our defensive concerns. But going back to the Bulls game, it's another good test for Matherin, right? Like, can he yeah. stay on the floor? Can he be there in the fourth quarter if it's a close game? If DeRozan and Lavina are going off, then, yeah, we might have to see Nemhard back out there or Neesmith back out there. I mean, you look at the schedule and the furthest west we go um between now and you know nearly christmas is minnesota and memphis um all of our other games are against eastern conference opponents or at home you know you we're at boston at philly twice atlanta at miami twice at detroit at milwaukee washington um you know and then at minnesota and at memphis and then you've got christmas and then after christmas is the first time that we go you know anywhere deep west we go houston um and even then you have to go even even later to go to utah in the middle of january like this team isn't going to be racking up the frequent fly miles in the first three months of the season um and they have to know that and they have to be planning for the fact that um they're not going to have the the road trips that they potentially had in previous seasons and they're probably going to find themselves in a better position early in the season compared to late, which allows them to set themselves up for a great season, start with a great record and to be able to retain that sort of record heading in. They won't be digging themselves into a hole early like they have in previous years. Yeah, and I, I think your biggest hope there is that you do create some sort of cushion, even if it's just like a cushion from the seventh seed to the tenth seed. So when the schedule does get a little bit tougher in those later months and we're playing, you know, the California road trip or we're playing in some of those tougher Western Conference battles. You know, if you take a loss here or there, if you go on a three-game, four-game losing streak, you know, you talked about the yo-yo, then hopefully that doesn't hurt you as much as it would in other years. So, yeah, creating that cushion now and and when you have these home games, when you have the uh, softer schedule is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think... It's the best start we could possibly hope for 
2 and 0 uh two games where we scored over 120 points let's hope that's the norm 82 and 0 an average of 125 points a game let's do this uh we will come to you later in the week for more paceroos uh for Alex I'm Adam thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next time <laughs>